You're listening to Late Norman Talk with Jonathan Weiner and Chuck Austin. Unscripted and real conversations with business leaders and marketing pros. And today we have Matt Birkenshaw from Performance Growth Advisors. Matt, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about you and your business. All right. How uh, much time you got? But uh, uh, first of all, what my business is, I am a, as the name of the company implies, I advise companies on how to perform better and grow their businesses. That takes a variety of forms, but uh, I work a lot with uh, professional practices and I work a lot with construction companies on efficiency, making more money and uh, doing things the right way. So Matt, where does that start? You know, like as a business, if you're gonna, you know, start, you know, you're gonna work with a client. What's what's the first place you start? Once they say, "Hey, I need help," what's the where's the what's typically the first place you start? Well, the first place we start is before we can figure out where you want to go. We got to figure out where you are. So I spend uh, a lot of times with clients, a lot of time with clients when we first start, figuring out where they're at financially, where they're at systems-wise, where they're at people-wise. And then once we, once we know that, we talk to them about where they want to go. And that can vary by client, uh, whether they're building something that they want to last 30 years or they want to build something that they want to sell in three. So the path to those different places is going to be different. So we take a look at where they're at now and figure out the best path to get there. Now, in your opinion, who is the perfect type of client for you and who is not? Uh, the perfect type of client for me, my ideal client, uh, is either a professional practice that's growing, so adding, adding people, adding professionals. Um, that's because I've worked in that space for th- almost 30 years. Um, I was a practicing lawyer in Massachusetts for over 20 years and, and still licensed there, and that's, that's a world that I know. And the other places, construction companies, contractors, because uh, that's where I that's where I did a lot of my legal work over the years, and companies that maybe aren't a fit for you and and what you do, companies that aren't a fit for me. Uh, I'm truly in the small business world. Uh, I've never worked for a company that had more than 25 employees. That's my father was an entrepreneur. Both of my grandfathers were entrepreneurs. So I don't do a lot of work with big business. I don't work in uh, companies larger than say 15, 20 million, or that have more than say 30, 40 employees. So what's the number one pain point? When, when businesses come in, what's their number one pain point that you see? It, it really differs uh, depending on the, uh, the company and also the, the time. When I first got started in this business about eight years ago, the biggest pain point for my clients at that time, because they were in the middle of the recession, was getting more clients. Now it's how do I handle the clients I have. So how do you handle the... You know, everybody's a consultant nowadays. Like, you know, there's, 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 a, there's thousands of people that are consultants on one thing or another. How do you handle that from a perspective of someone that's talking to you for the first time? And how do you stand out and differentiate, you know, your practice from everybody else you know, as a marketer? Well, the first thing I, I want to say to a, a prospective client that's sitting in front of me is, is this going to be a good fit? That's our job when, when any of us sit down in front of a prospective client is, is this going to be a good fit for you? Is it going to be good for, for me? What do you need and can I help you? Because there's, there's several things I'm not. I'm not a success coach. I'm not a performance coach from an athletic side. I'm not a performance coach from from a personal performance side, I do a little bit of that, but there are people out there that do it much better. I'm not an executive coach. Uh, I won't t- talk to you about how to how to navigate the political environment of your corporation. So that's that's also what I don't do. So what I try to do is 
have an initial meeting with them, figure out what they need, and then if I've worked with a client that's had that issue before, I can help them through it. So really that business has to have some accountability in this process. It's not just you, you know, gathering information, delivering information back to them. They need to be accountable throughout the process. Oh, exactly. This, this is not a situation like you see on TV where the restaurant fixer guy or the hotel fixer guy, if they want me to come in and you know, they want to step aside and let me fix them, uh, that's not what I do. I'm, I'm not that type of consultant. So you're not going to fix the business and then all of a sudden they walk in one day and you've totally remodeled the restaurant? I will not. I will not change the drapes. I will not change the paint. On. They have to have those decisions. They have to be involved. But they you, have to commit. You will test the, taste the food out. I don't work with restaurants. <laughs> but they do make great customers, right? So, Matt. Very low profit margins. <laughs> what is, uh, you know, what gives you the most fun in your job today? Most fun in my job today is, I, I actually, it sounds, it sounds kind of nerdy, but I, I, I really. We'll decide that. Okay, well, you can tell I'm a nerd. Uh, I actually get excited when a client comes to me with a problem that I can, that I can help them solve. Um, and I get excited when they, they come back to me and say, this has made a difference in their life. Uh, I just helped a client out with a, a, a kind of sticky partnership issue uh, where they had brought somebody in and, and I helped uh, help them out of a situation that if it hadn't been handled correctly, they would have lost their business. And I, that to me is, I don't know if enjoyable is the right word, but it certainly, um, certainly made me feel good about what I do. Fulfillment, basically. Fulfillment. Yeah, so on the flip side, what drives you crazy today with your clients? Uh, clients who won't take accountability. Like Chuck said, if they, if they, if they, if they want me to come in and fix them, uh, a good example is often uh, a client will come in and say, uh, oh, I need you to fix my people. And I'll talk to the people and I'll look at the systems. Almost inevitably, the people aren't the problem. It's the guy who brought me in. So then it's about talking to him about, okay, here's what I see, but you've got to be accountable for making it better because they're looking to you for leadership. That reminded me of uh, one of my favorite movies, G.I. Jane, where he says to uh, Demi Moore, remember, there's no bad crews, only bad cr leaders. Yes. And the one I like is the fish rots from the head down. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of rotting fish, Chuck, do you have anything? To I, uh, you know, I've got a lot of thoughts, but we could go forever on this. So, so are, when you're talking about partnerships, that's a big thing nowadays. Like, you know, I've been in partnerships with, uh, with folks. Do you see that unfolding or that being a pain point a lot where you have one, two, three partners in a small business? Well, I, I liken it to dating. Uh, a lot of people want to, want to go straight to eloping. Uh, uh, they meet somebody and, hey, you've got a great idea, let's elope. Um, and I always caution that, you know, before you get married to somebody, why don't you try dating for a little while? Maybe, uh, uh, you know, not to offend anybody, maybe you want to live together for a little while before you get married. And there are lots of different ways to do partnerships uh, versus just giving ownership in your company to somebody. Joint ventures are fine. Uh, uh, memos of understanding where you have two companies working together for a common goal, those are great. But the, the big thing that you want to do before you enter into those agreements is to set out the ground rules and make sure that you're on the same path, you have the same goals. Sometimes partners get together and they realize, well, oh, one of us is building to sell in six months or a year, and the other one's building something that they want to last. And that's fine, but you have to have, the, you have, to have that out on the table before you start, not a year in. Matt, I want to talk about the difference between sales and marketing as an okay. owner. Um, in your opinion, what, what's the difference to you? 
Marketing is bringing them to the door. Sales is closing the deal. It's pretty simple to me. Marketing is brand awareness. It's, it's getting your name out there to the right people in the right places. And sales is once they show up at your door and say, am I right for this? The, sale, the job of the salesperson is to figure out, okay, well, you've come to us for a reason. Are we a good fit? Right, right service, right pain, right problem, right price. What are you seeing from your current clients, uh, those that do marketing well versus those that don't? What are the ones that are doing well doing and what are they doing uh, what are they doing and how are they doing it? The ones that are doing it well are targeting clients that are not only easy to get, because uh, sometimes when companies are, are new, they get the clients the lowest hanging fruit, the ones that are easiest to get and maybe add a lot to the top line. But the ones that are really good at it look deeper than the, the top line. They look at the cost of providing the service. They look at location. They look at style of the client and really know what that fit is. The ones who do it really well have developed a really good set of of rules on who makes a good client for them. Is it hard to get business owners to, to visualize what their future will be like, or may or, are, or or does what they visualize, what they want, they come to you and say, hey, Matt, this is really where I want my business to be in five years or three years. Do some people have, you know, just unrealistic expectations? Actually, I th- I sometimes I think it's the opposite. I think sometimes that uh, because we've just gone through uh, 10 years, six or seven of which were really hard. I actually see the opposite a lot of the times where the owner doesn't see enough in their business, doesn't really know the capacity that the business has. And, and even though we'd like to see an abundance mindset in our business owners, I, see, I still see some fear of, okay, I can't spend or I can't grow because uh, you know, I never know when it's gonna drop, I never know when it's gonna drop. Now, do you see some cases where business owners may be afraid? They may have the revenue, but things have just kind of fallen apart systems-wise. And they, I, mean, I think some business owners may feel like, hey, I'm a train wreck right now. I mean, things might be too screwed up for me to come see someone like yourself. Do you see, do you, is there some pushback? You know, are people afraid to do that? Or is maybe that not the right type of client? They need to really mentally, they need to have acceptance that, hey, I need help. Well, it, it, not necessarily that they need acceptance, but they need, they, need some, they need some self-awareness that they have a problem they can't fix. Uh, and usually that problem manifests itself in, in right now. And business owners who are working 100 hours a week can't seem to find people, the right people to, to work in the company always chasing their clients, maybe always behind. Um, and they realize that they've got opportunity and don't know how to take advantage of it. Um, and, and they understand that they need some help doing it. Matt, what's one piece of advice you could offer any business owner today, 2018, that you know wants to take their business to the next level, whatever that means, that something that could apply to any business, any business size in, in your radar, uh, that they should be... They, they could be doing right now? I think that the, the one universal aspect of business, and again, this kind of goes back to, to me having a background in finance, is understanding where your money comes from and where it goes. To me, that's the key. You could have the most business coming in the door, but if it's expensive to get and it's expensive to service um, and it's difficult to service, then your company won't be making money. And then, I mean, why are you in business? You're in business to make money of it. You know, whether you want to sell it or keep it, it's got to make money. So that's, that's probably the universal aspect of okay, you've got to know where your best profit margins are. 
I think one of the most interesting things you've said that I've heard a few times now is when you when you are talking to a client or or a prospective client, you're you know, you're really a valuable resource in the fact that you're like the ultimate concierge to whatever solution they need, whether it be video production or they need insurance or they need legal assistance or what have you. Talk about that approach. Video production? I think I know a guy. Yeah, um, I know a guy too. Right. Well, I, I do consider myself, because my clients typically are too busy to go to business networking meetings, they're they're running a business that's got, and my ideal client has eight to 10 to 15 employees, they're working a lot. They don't have access to networks of professionals. So I think it's part of my job to get to know other professionals and things that I don't do, areas that, uh, areas that I don't work in, so that I can make qualified recommendations. And I do try to find somebody that's going to be a good fit so that my client doesn't have to spend a lot of time uh, either dealing with a, a bunch of people getting uh, doing RFPs or going on the, you know, I know we have internet search, and that's important, um, but at least you know triaging and, and vetting those people. With the job market right now being so tight, you know the, the employment is is pretty full right now. Um, is it? Do you see that with small businesses to medium-sized businesses? Is it hard for them to hire right now? Oh, it's, it's extremely hard. We're, uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not an economist, but in in my in my experience, we're pretty much functional zero percent unemployment. Um, you you have to recruit somebody away from somebody else. There's people don't stay unemployed for very long who have any talent. So yes, it's a huge problem, which is why you have to have good efficiencies and understand you know which clients you should go after. Because rather than saying I'm not going to take any new clients, well maybe you need to get rid of some clients so that you can create some capacity in the staff you already have. Right. Now, do you see when they're recruiting, uh, new, trying to recruit new people, is it, what's the most attractive thing other than salary? Is it the benefits? Like, how, how do you structure, how do you help them structure this to attract better people? I'll have to, I'll have to get one of my HR uh, recruiting specialists on with you guys. <laughs> right. um, that, that's a great question. It really depends on the uh, age, we can't use age in recruiting, uh, but whether you're recruiting uh, millennials or Generation X, those factors are going to change. Uh, um, younger people look at culture, they look at work style, they look, they want to. We you know, we used to say, oh, you've got to have FaceTime. Now they're used to working virtually and and working wherever, whenever. Um, the old days of okay, you have to be in your desk by eight and work till six. Well, they're at their desk at ten, but they working at 10 at night. That's a great point. And you actually kind of went to where I wanted to go with uh, working with multi-generational type of employees, um, whether it's people working directly for you or on your on your client's sites. Um, what do you, communication style, we, we all know, you just mentioned the word millennial. To me, when I hear millennial, uh, I hear uh, Instagram, Messenger, and text. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you pay, if you call the person on the phone, they'll never answer. They'll text you right back within three seconds of the phone. Right, you call. can't leave a voicemail; it'll never get returned. Right. So, you know, how do you advise owners our age, our generation that are forty plus, and trying to navigate through that when you just, you know, some of it's in your DNA that you're a phone person or you're you're this style of communication. But in order to be effective, you have to adapt to the other styles. What do you tell those clients? 
Well, it's interesting just you know, step back a sec on millennials. I was in, I was doing a retreat uh, recently that involved a lot of millennials, but they were older millennials, and they resented younger millennials, and they actually want a demarcation between <laughs> the earlier millennials and the secondary millennials because they're starting to see problems with the younger millennials. So there's always going to be generational gaps in, in, in communication, and uh, what I try to preach to clients and teach them is it's all about understanding your own communication style and the communication style of the other people in the room. So it's just really, it's really an awareness. It starts with awareness. Yeah. And I think as business owners, we all wear marketing hats and sales hats. And I look at it, I'm curious to get Chuck's opinion on this too, but you know, if I'm, if I'm trying to develop a relationship with a, with a client, um, it's FaceTime, it's telephone, it's, it's an exchange, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it's live. And once, you know, that is, that relationship's established, then when it comes to like confirming an appointment or a lunch destination, yeah, technology is beautiful to accepting a text or confirming an appointment or a quick email. But I think there's power in the style of communication using depending on where you are in the process. And I'm curious to get your, your opinions on that, Chuck. What do you think? Well, you need to connect with people in the way that they want to be connected with or communicated with. Uh, you can fight it all the way. You can say, I'm from this generation. This is how I'm going to handle it. But uh, if you want to do business with someone, you need to communicate uh, you know, the way they want to communicate uh, if you want them as a client. If not, someone else will do that, and they'll fill that void, and uh, you know, that's, it's going to hurt your business. So you have to adapt. And right now, adapting to technology, uh, it's moving so fast. Uh, you have to stay up with everything all the time. And business is moving faster and faster every day. Yeah, I, I'd agree. And it, and it also depends on what it is that you're selling, what it is that they're, buy, that they're buying. If somebody's buying T-shirts, that whole, even a business-to-business transaction of a 1,000 T-shirts might be done entirely by text, and I've seen that happen. Um, but if you're buying consultative services or your accountant, you're not going to hire an accountant by text, right. hopefully. Yeah, I would agree with that. In fact, I didn't hire mine that way. Um, Chuck, I know you got yours where online somewhere. What? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, I uh, no, you know, it's to your point that you know most people uh, that are probably twenty six and under, their default, or actually maybe even thirty and under, their default you know way of contacting a business online is they fill out a form. And they want it all to be online. They don't, if they can avoid speaking with you, they will avoid speaking with you. And, you know, where that, that line is, you know, some people have their foot in, you know, based on their generation, their age, they have one foot in. They want to talk to somebody on the phone. But then they do like the convenience of doing things online. But I think we're going to move to a point where, you know, you, you have no choice in how you want to communicate. So, certainly in business to consumer. I think business right. to business is a little bit different. Right. And I operate a lot in the business to business side right. um, where there's still more FaceTime involved mm -hmm. and, and, and not, not so much telephone anymore, though, uh, but a little bit. But uh, certainly more FaceTime and, and video meetings and things like that. If you're B2C, you're right. Yeah, if, you're, if you're business to consumer, you better get used to texting and contact forms. Yeah. I, I, and I would just, you know, end with... As we look to hire talent, like I'm always looking for uh, production crew here. Um, if you're in the hireable uh, mode of your life, don't don't apply those rules because I know people that miss jobs and opportunities because they chose not to reply to a voicemail or respond to 
uh, you know, a live call, and they said text me, and they didn't get hired. They lost the gig. So it's more of a PSA to the uh, some of the generation who got there. You have to, you know, there's a reason a lot of times why there's a phone call because you you, you can learn and determine things in a phone call uh, that you can in a text. So that's more of a, just a public service announcement. Well, if you're if you're hiring, you want somebody to be able to do the skill the uh, the do the job that you're hiring for. And if that includes being on the phone with your clients, then yes, you're going to want a phone interview with them. And to, to add on to your PSA, it's not about what you want. It's what about it's what the prospective employer wants. Well, thanks being on. Thanks for being on with us today and tell uh, our listeners how they can connect with you. How can they find your business and communicate uh, with you? They can Google Performance Growth Advisors. I'm easy to find in Huntersville, North Carolina. Connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, but put a message in there because if I get a connection request without a personalized message, I'll generally ignore it. But I'm happy to connect with people that are in the Charlotte area and beyond.